cultural headquarters of the future capital of the free-thinking states of America known as Los Angeles, this is the Drunken Taoist Podcast. Tonight, Daniele Bolelli barely rises from his sickbed to tell us all about his upcoming book, Create Your Own Religion, as well as a rant about having the balls to tell folks what you think along with a good smiting or two in story time, and a few questions answered from the digital mailbag. And now, quietly awaiting my one-way ticket to Guantanamo, I'm Rich Evers, and my partner in crime, answering hopelessness with a defiant smile and a raised middle finger, Daniel Bolelli. Away we go. Welcome back, everybody. Believe it or not, episode 12, and this week, as an added treat, on location in Benelli's Yogi Room. Woohoo! Yeah, I'm sick as a dog, so the reason why we're doing it this way is because otherwise we're not going to do it anyway at all, and, um, you know, we feel bad because some of you guys may be expecting it, so here we go. It may be a shortened version, you know, we'll see how long we, we go. But um, to get things going, first off, um, thank you to everybody, starting with Datsusara, our awesome sponsor. If you want, you're in the market on for computer bags, backpacks, your old jujitsu, and you want a hemp gi, dsgear.com, the link will be on the episode notes, check them out. Also, big thank you to suredesigntshirts.com, uh, who has hooked us up with our shirts. And again, we are now, we were done with the pre-orders, we shipped everything that, um, all the shirts that were ordered earlier on. If you're still interested in a shirt, you can email me first, and that way, before you pay anything, I'll let you know if we have in stock that size and color, and uh, that would be the way to go. But um, in addition to our shirt, just check out suredesigntshirts.com, he's an awesome guy. Um, you can type a code uh, which I'll put in the episode notes because I always forget the codes for Datsusara, for Sure Design T-shirts, for a bunch of things. You can type codes that give you discounts. So please, if you're planning on buying, use that. It's good for you. Other things, um, real brief audiobooks. If you guys can get enough podcasts and you're still on the road and you need more stuff to listen to, uh, audible.com would be the way to go uh, you can check the um, link on our site so that we can get something out of it but again it's kind of like the netflix of audiobooks you know you get one a month for 15 dollars a month um, if you drive a lot that's awesome um, if you are doing your shopping on amazon amazon.com our link please click on that so we can get a kickback um, on the last things, um, KorakaoConfections.com, our affiliate chocolate sponsor. I heard from quite a few people who ordered and they were quite thrilled with their chocolate. So if you are into that, again, there there is again a discount on the... They told me this funny thing that a bunch of people ordered from our site without using the discount. And so they were saying, your listeners are high as hell because, you know, it's like, <laughs> who does that? <laughs> Now the contest is over, right? Yeah, the contest we'll, we'll is over. We'll announce our winner next time. Yeah. No, I send the email. They send the stuff. I by now I forget what I basically I we narrowed it down to a few finalists and then let the hands of fate pick because I was like ah shit I don't want to tell people no chocolate to you. It's like let's let Lady Luck play a role and uh, so that was that. 
And last but not least, Daisy House, the guys who provide our intro music, they have an album out, there's a link on the episode notes, there is the instrumental version that we use for our intro, there are other songs, there's the whole thing, so if you want to check them out, they are there. Now, among the last things to touch on before we get the ball rolling in a different direction, donations for this month. We have, uh, and again, I'll fuck up your names, I'm sorry. We have Brandon Ortel, Team R, uh, O-R-R, uh, I think it's R, uh, who wrote a book called Ramblings of a Madman, which uh, he sent me. I haven't gotten it yet, so I'll look for it. Robert Lee, Andrew, oh man, Andrew, your last name. Psh, yeah, it's not going to happen. Gert G. Jensen. You're from Minnesota, I'm guessing Norwegian, you know, something either Norway or <laughs> Swedish or a mix of them called Norwegian or something. But yeah, you have a peculiar last name. Um, the awesome, these guys are so sweet. Hugo Ferreira and Jody Johnston, they sent us something. They bought the shirt and they sent us something extra to cover the cost of extra postage that wasn't anticipated to Portugal and Japan. That was so damn sweet. Uh, James Bailey, uh, Martin Whitfoot, uh, Blair Jordan, Frida Stavenow, or Stavenow, Stave something. Sorry, Frida. Well, you got a cool first name, but I have no idea about your last name. And uh, Brandon Beater. Thank you guys so much for supporting the podcast. Now, having said that, I think... Oh, before we're ready to roll, one more thing. Um, a friend of mine, Paul Bowman, wrote this book about Bruce Lee. I just received a copy. It's like this really cool book that um, it has all sort of memorabilia in it. In addition to being a biography of Bruce Lee, it has uh, these um, you know posters and uh, you know original um, a bunch of original things that were um, when they were originally released, and these were the copies. And it's like really cool memorabilia that come with the book itself. Cool. So if you guys want to check it out, I don't remember the title right now. I'll put it in the episode notes. I'll put uh, maybe an Amazon link or something. If you want to check it, it's pretty cool stuff. And speaking of, speaking books, of books, yeah, 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 that's right. <laughs> On April 1st, I have a book coming out called Create Your Own Religion. I just checked, like, there are these um, awesome endorsements by Joe Rogan, Shannon Lee, Mike V., Ben Harper, Tom Robbins, the whole works, and they were really sweet. It came out to be about 300 pages, so it's not tiny, but it's trimmed down from the way it was supposed to be, which is probably good to make it readable. And uh, I'm excited. I'm pumped out. It's basically a um, kind of an MMA approach to religion. You know, it's the, the basic approach is look at what's out there, look at what kind of answers are out there in in terms of addressing the basic essential questions of life, you know, is the uh, God, death, sex, uh, gender roles, money, you know, you name it, all the things that religions provide answers on. And for that matter, philosophies too. You know, if the word religion bug, you just scratch that from the title, put the word philosophy and just create your own philosophy, same thing. You know, it's it's about a way of life. It's not about talking religion or it really encompass a whole way of life. And what I do in that is that I divide it chapter by chapter. There are, I think, 15 of them or something of these big topics. And I look at what kind of answers some religions provide. I look at what other religions argue. I basically try to see what seems healthy, what seems to produce decent results in terms of people not killing each other and improving the qualities of their life. 
what seems to work, what seems that it doesn't. And in some cases, you know, I may pick some answers from some traditions. In some cases, maybe there are no good answers. And so it's up to figuring out for ourselves what the most desirable answers are. But this is really about creating your own path, creating your own worldview, your philosophy, your religion. And it's the same as the mixed martial art approach of out of all the techniques of combat, you try things out, you reject the ones that don't work, you keep the ones that work very brusely of us, I guess. And, uh, and with that, you create your own style. In this sense, that's about martial arts. In this case, is you create your own philosophy of life. So I'm very pumped up. I mean, I wrote it quite a while ago. The bulk of the book was written in 2008, 2009, I think maybe 2010 too. And then after that, I got published in Italy. And then it was a bunch of work to make sure it got published in US. And now it's here. I'm as happy as I can be. So April 1st, Amazon.com. If you can do that through our link, that's double <laughs> double happiness there. <laughs> but uh, oh, and one thing I want to mention, both about the nations and about whoever buys the book. Anybody who donate to the podcast from now on, I'm going to send you guys a PDF of this little booklet that I put together. It's like just a few pages of quotes. I took quotes from some of my books, some that are published, some that are not published, some from other random things that come out that seem like a good idea to put it on paper. And uh, there are like hundreds some of these quotes. I put them in PDF format and I'm going to send it to anybody who donates. Also, if you do buy Create Your Own Religion, just email me, say, I, I bought a book. Can, can I get the booklet too? I'll definitely send you that one too. I don't need the receipts. I don't need anything. I just need, you know, if you tell me I bought the book, your word is good enough for me. So you will get an email back with the booklet. And um, so, yeah, that's what's going on. But anybody who don't, even if you donated in the past and um, you want the booklet, again, email me. Say, hey, I donated at such such time. You'll get your booklet in PDF format right away. George, George Carlin used to have an awesome uh, quote where he said he'd stop praying to anything but the sun because the sun gave him warmth and grew the food that he ate yeah. and that the prayers were still being answered at the same 17 to 21% he was getting with everybody else. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. So not a bad gig. No, Carlin is a funny guy. Totally. So um, that's the game. Let's roll. All right, here we go. Everybody take your day quill and uh, we shall move on. I have a dream today. And now we cross the ethereal plane for a visit into Bellelli's dream time. Now, um, you've been a little bit under the weather. Mm-hmm. Sometimes when I take medication i get the craziest dreams of all i actually haven't been taking medication because we don't know what the hell it is so there's nothing to take but so i'm actually going back in time for it's not even a dream it's like uh, coming out of a dream and the state i was in right before waking up i think i mentioned it once on a duncan trussell podcast maybe maybe not in any case i remember several years ago i was about to wake up and is in that state right before you're fully awake but you're not quite in dreamland anymore. And as I was waking up, I couldn't remember anymore what ethnicity I was, whether I was a man or a woman, whether who I was essentially, right? None of the things that make you you in terms of, you know, what kind of body you have, how old you are, are you gender, ethnicity, nation, nationality, all of that. I, you know, it lasted two seconds, right? But for those two seconds, I didn't know. And I remember that excitement of, 
wow, in a few seconds, I'm going to open my eyes and I'm going to have all these sets of beliefs and preconceptions about how the universe is and my role in it based on my identity. And right now, I have no identity. For a second year, I have no idea what my identity is. <sighs> and I'm about to find out. And I'm sure I'll take it very seriously once I find out. Definitely. But in that second, it was like, it's not serious at all. You know, it's like there's something bigger and greater through us that's not the social stuff how did you like being a scrumptious black woman for two seconds totally fine i was like i'm black and proud and then wildly disappointed or maybe i wake up and i'm a kkk member or maybe i wake up and like i literally felt like i could embody anything the second i woke up now i've been listening to too many of these crazy podcasts over the years but there's an idea that i hear over and over again that each one of us is actually the same part of a larger entity could the be. old fingers in in a fishbowl where right. your fingers look separate, but it actually all connected. That would kind of make sense to maybe you forgot your assignment before you jumped back in yeah. from dreamland. There's the Hindu idea that basically everybody's God, as in, you know, this one being that been bored decided to play a game. Yeah. And it's much more fun if you can really fall into the part and believe in that each one. So in that sense, you, me, every single person, even the one you hate the most, the one you love the most, they're all different faces of the same entity. Real bullshit. Who knows? Doesn't matter. It's a fun concept, and it's um, it's an interesting one. Yeah, I think my favorite one of them all is that life is the universe trying to experience itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a pretty fantastic one That's as well. Definitely an interesting. And I have every one. hope that we're going to find life all over our solar system very shortly, and that'll just it'll be a long time till we see it in another solar system because it's just too far. Yeah. But uh, uh, uh. that ought to get everybody a little bit. No, definitely. Those are good ones. You, you know, uh, speaking of dream time, it's not a dream, but uh, there's a comet that could possibly hit Mars next year. Oh, Jesus. You want your... Hey, man. I could list them all. Right, right, right. I mean, if it wasn't too late, everybody should go and check to the western sky tonight through the next few days. So even the 15th, 16th, 17th, um, there will be a comet hovering over the sun that'll be pretty awesome to see and then an awesome one hopefully in november if it doesn't fizzle out but yeah latest and greatest middle of next year mars uh, is has a comet that's flinging right towards us and who knows nice 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 i love shit like that cool anyway, put your helmet on everybody that was uh i don't know if i can officially call it dream time it was um mid-dream contemplative uh refractory <laughs> exactly. period time precisely but it was still fun All right, on to the next bit of trouble. Rant of the day. Um, I'll keep it sweet and short. Uh, this is our Don't Be a Dick service announcement. Um, in specific, this one applies to all the people who don't respond to messages when you ask them something, when uh, maybe they need to give you an answer about something and they decide that disappearing is a more honorable option than telling you no. Ugh. Grow a pair. Just say what's up. You know, if you somebody's flirting with you, they want you. You don't want to tell them. If uh, you don't want to give a job to somebody, tell them. If uh, you are too busy to whatever, tell them. Nothing worse than dangling. Yeah, not that hard to do. And disappearing, eesh, cowardly, 
really cowardly bullshit. Not answering, you know, when people ask you a specific question like that, eh, really rub me the wrong way. I think that's what Hollywood is based on. Yeah, totally. And I mean, it's so much easier because then you waste, you don't waste people's time thinking, did they just not get my email? Did they just, because I mean, sometimes it does happen, right? You don't get people's email and stuff get lost. And then that is, a, I mean, I had people then write me later, like, you are such a dick. I can't believe you didn't answer. And I'm like, dude, I replied. You just never got it. Yeah. And you're like, oh, sorry. So, you know, there's that, but when it becomes, you know, you send a zillion messages and suddenly they used to reply constantly and they don't, that means somebody is just playing games and it's really uncool. I mean, beside, we're not so much whining about them. It's more an invitation on not for ourselves to do the same thing. And, um, I mean, I can think, shit, one of the most awful examples I remember from a couple of years back, I had this, um, was a friend of mine. We've been good friends for quite a while. And all of a sudden, from one day to the next, he decided, I'm not returning calls. I'm not returning email. And after a while, I was, it became so obvious that I'm like, dude, you know, you can, you can tell me, you know, you piss me off. There's something you've done or something you are that just rubbed me the wrong way so bad. That's okay. It's honorable. You know, then you say your piece and then we don't have to deal with each other no more. Totally fine. But I have the balls to tell me. You know what I mean? It's like, have the guts to look me in the eye or not even look me in the eye. Send me a damn email and tell me, you know, this is what I feel and that's why I don't want to hang out with you. Totally fine, you know. But have the guts to say something, you know. Same thing with like a bunch of uh, people that shall be unnamed to, uh, you know, with uh, promising jobs to friends of mine. And then they're like, they go back and forth a few times. Then they obviously must have changed their mind, but they decide it's easier not to say anything and never reply again than to say, oh, sorry, turns out I can't, you know. That pissed me off beyond belief because it's such a lack of basic integrity that I just, ah, you know. And respect, there's no respect there. Yeah, none whatsoever. You're not asking for much. I know exactly what you're talking about. I mean, there's been a thousand times where, oh, this job's coming, no problem. As soon as the Oscar's over, we'll begin. Mm -hmm. And then radio silence. Yeah. And not just radio silence. That's fine. You pick somebody else, I don't give a shit. We'll mm -hmm. move on to the next one. But to be in the limbo where you don't know, well, they said they were going to... Yeah. It's like the most annoying thing on earth because you are stuck and you're still devoting mental energy to what's going on there. Whereas if they had the guts to tell you flat out, you would know where you stand and you can move on, you know, and then it's totally fine. I've seen that a lot with both men and women in um, flirting with each other and then somebody's definitely more interested than the other and person number two decide to disappear. Rather than tell you, look, nice and old, but I'm not interested, just decide disappearing is a more... It's like, come on, man. What the hell is this wimpy stuff? Disappearing definitely easier. And But I mean, they invented email. If you are that awkward that you can't look somebody in the eye and yeah. say stuff for what it is, which I can understand, you know, in some cases it can be weird. At least write. Do something, you know. There are many ways to communicate. It was much more difficult back when I was flirting and I have to build the big fire and get the smoke signals going. Right. That was a pain in the ass. <laughs> At least no is just like three little puffs and you had it, but... Yeah. Kind, of, kind of like the Catholic Church, how they pick a new pope, right? Is, I was going to uh, make some pope, pope jokes just because, you know, right. we've, been, we've been dangling popeless for a while now. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. What do you got your money on? I think it's going to be a Latin American guy. Yeah, I volunteered. I, was, I think I make an awesome pope. but You'd make the hat look good without yeah. question. I think they would. Um, I would wear a sure design t-shirt as a pope. <laughs> that would be my official, uh, <laughs> my official attire. And uh, 
you know but uh yeah no the pop thing it's i don't i don't even want to go there it's so ridiculous I, I know i said it a thousand times but i would still pay money to go hang out with jesus when he gets back yeah no, and let's go to the vatican and just have a few words with everybody yeah because i think i don't know between the child raping and the uh, oceans of gold they've collected yeah. something's not really firing the way the, the guy that they have nailed onto the cross in the front of their church was probably hoping they'd go. Yeah, that's a, like one of, I use that in the book, by the way. There's a chapter about wealth and the relationship with, you know, on one end you want to make money, you want to have a comfortable living. On the other end, you know, there are different religious ideas about whether it's desirable or not. Right. And one thing I throw out there is there's this, um, there are several lines, but there's one in particular by Jesus in the gospel, or at least this quote that has been Jesus in the gospel, who says, uh, it's easier for a camel to get through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to get into heaven. Yeah. Which is like, damn, it's like Karl Marx would blush, literally. And <laughs> it, it's such, like, the most hardcore condemnation of accumulation of wealth I've ever seen. Now, I'm not saying I agree or disagree per se, but it's just the same people who read the book, who worship Jesus, think he's awesome, and then they go on being hardcore capitalists. It's like, what gives, you know, something here is not adding up. Pick one, you know, pick capitalism or pick follow Jesus. Yeah. But clearly when the dude is telling you it's easier for a camel to get through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to get into heaven, he's telling you big no to accumulation of wealth. Well, and that combined with the six Walmart errors, having more money than the poorest 38 million Americans. Yeah, yeah. Something is so off the hook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but that's 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 inequality. That's a whole different rant. That but that's I why I get, I enjoy that throwing it out there because I'm not arguing one position or the other. I'm not saying money is bad or money is good. Actually, money is very good if you send it to me. But is <laughs> no, I mean, I'm not making a moral stand. I'm not making a moral argument at all in those cases. I'm just asking for consistency. You know, if you do go by Jesus, then go by Jesus. Yeah. that's what the Bible says. Or just shut the fuck up and don't pretend that you're a Christian because you're really back to create your own religion. The fact is most people make up their own religion while pretending to be following a religion because they will cut and paste the parts they like from their sacred books. They'll ignore the parts that are inconvenient for them and they'll essentially make up their own thing. But they pretend, no, I'm a good Catholic or I'm a good Protestant or I'm a good Muslim. Or It's like those good Baptist folks that... Um somehow did not recognize each other at the bar. Lutel. But on Sunday, they would definitely see one another. But, you know, just somehow, it didn't seem to, even though... I know. It's, but that's, it, that's just the way it is. It's ridiculous, and that's, that's why I had, I had a blast writing that chapter. It was fun. But, um, did you, um, have you ever learned anything about the Jefferson Bible? Because yeah. essentially he just condensed everything down to Jesus' words, and that's it. Yeah, but he was honest. You know, he was... He basically edited the New Testament. He said all the miracles, all that stuff sound like bullshit, um, which, you know, may or may not agree, but that's his point, right? He said, oh, I don't buy into all the supernatural stuff. I just go by the words of Jesus as a philosophy. Yeah. I dig them. And so I'm going to edit the New Testament in that fashion, just going by the quoted words of Jesus. And I'm interested in that. He's open about it. You know what I mean? People do that anyway. Because the fact of the matter is that in all sacred books, there are mutually contradictory messages. Absolutely. And so what ends up happening is that you have uh, people who tell you, this is a rich phone going off. Sorry about that. And uh, there are, you know, there are, you have uh, from, look at, you know, in the Quran, you have those passages that are about 
there is no compulsion in religion. You meet the people of other religions, wish them peace. And, um, you know, on one end you have these very sweet messages that you find in the Quran. And right under the same cover, you have the, if you run into the infidels, strike their head off, and you have all these really brutal, they're under the same cover. Yeah. So, and, you know. And try quitting and see how that goes. Yeah. Same thing, you know, in the Bible, you have the super sweet, turn the other cheek, uh, love your neighbor, that kind of stuff, love your enemy for the matter. And then you have the kill them all type of passages and they are all there. And so what happens is people who are naturally inclined to go one way, they'll just focus on those passages and skip the other ones. And people who are evil bastards, they'll focus on the mean one. And yeah, there's this goody goody crap there, but really the good stuff is this other thing. And they'll all come up with their own interpretation of the whole thing, which would be so much more honest if rather than laying claim to some inspired authority, they were just to say, this makes sense to me. I like it. Yep. I'll go by it. You know, that's that would be more honest. Would show and speaking, you know, I guess that's the theme of the day is having the guts to say things for what you mean, both whether it's about calling people back or telling people something they don't want to hear or having the balls. Well, sorry for the ladies out there because balls assuming the balls are what guts is all about having the guts in that sense to um to claim responsibility to be ready to say this is where i stand this is what i believe this is not because some god says so because it makes sense to me and because of such and such reason that takes guts and i like it you know well, it's, it's way easier to respect somebody like that yeah absolutely i, I know i had an, a nutty encounter last weekend we were in some little antique store mm-hmm. and you know you get to chatting about this and that and it came around to oil mm-hmm. and this guy was saying that he didn't believe in the whole biomass concept that he thought that the tar and the oil and the petroleum was just something the earth sort of naturally shit out, which I've heard from more and more places recently. Right. The whole idea that it's just squished dinosaur goo and, and plant material may not be entirely true. Right. So I don't know either way. Me neither. What I did not realize is that I was walking into a creationist trap. Oh. That they use this new science. Mm-hmm. The next thing you know, he's dropping the 6,400-year-old earth on him. Right. And it's like, oh, well, it's... wait a minute, pal. Yeah. yeah I just... Yeah thought it amazing how well yeah I, i've heard that too I, I agree that's a very good possibility now they've got the hook set yep. and now we're going to talk about cavemen and dinosaurs and fossil carving and madness like that well since we are on the roll i think it's time for storytelling because i'll go in a nice biblical story just oh, to cheer everybody up some of my favorites come from the bible all right everybody we'll get the pr- proper music lined up and uh, we'll be right back with an awesome story time Everybody loves story time, and a story from the Bible, nothing better. Somebody asked me to, by mail to talk about this one, and this is a fun one, so might as well. Is this from uh, 50 Things? No. I, you know, I may have used this. I can't remember. But uh, it's, um, it's a story from uh, the Old Testament, Sodom and Gomorrah. <sighs> beautiful story of God decided that these towns are hopelessly wicked and bad and terrible and they need to be smited, which always fun. So God <laughs> I, is a, I love a good smiting. I know. God is about to smite both towns, killing everybody in it, because that's what you got to do when people are not behaving. And so 
Mm, however, the objection come up that there is a good one good guy in town, and so they should warn him and save him before the smiting take place. What's he doing living there anyway? So, uh, who knows? Real estate elsewhere <laughs> was too expensive. Um, so he got sent two angels down to this town, and they go knock on the door of the good guy in town by the name of Lot. And he take them in. Shortly thereafter, a mobster gathering around because they heard that these two strangers showed up. And I guess one of the fancy of the town is having sex with strangers, men, women, whatever is always fun because, you know, you can only have fun with the locals and the goats and everything for so long. So they basically say, hey, Lot, we know you got these two guys in there. Throw them out. We want to have sex with them. Talking about rolling out the welcome mat. Yeah, exactly. And Lot being the righteous guy that he is, he said, come on, brothers, you know, you know, the rules of hospitality. Remember, we can do that. Uh, come on, send them out. Enough of your talking. You know, no, no, we can do that. Uh, that would be really rude and terrible. And I can't possibly tell you what. I have two daughters here who are both virgins. Can I just send them out to you and you can rape them all night long instead? And, uh, you know, not bother my guests. But the guys are insistent that that's not an acceptable substitution. And so mm, the angels come to save the day by striking with light the people outside. They all collapse and they will wake up much later when it's morning. So so this isn't full Raiders of the Lost Ark blasting. This is just sort of a sleep rap. Yeah, exactly. But We kind of hopped over the daughter raping part. Um, right. This was, is the good man in yeah, town. Yeah, that's the good man in town, right? That's okay. why, you know. I just get behind. These ideas come so fast and, and so quick that I have to catch up. Okay. The good stories of the Bible. So wow. Lot, his wife, and his daughters are now fleeing town. And they are told that they once the smiting begins, they are not to turn back. Don't know why, but they shouldn't look. Whereas the wife does turn back and look. She see what's going on, and so she's instantly turned by God into a pillar of salt. Okay, no wife. So Lot and his daughters continue on on their track, and they don't find anybody, and they see that the towns behind, everything is smoke and destroyed and whatever, and they don't run into anyone. The daughters start getting worried. They think this is the end of the world. There is no one left but the two of us and our father. What to do? What to do? They figure, well, we need to continue the human race. So why don't we just ply our father with drink, get him so drunk that he passes out, and then maneuver things in such a way that we each have sex on different nights with him, get impregnated by him, and then we'll um, we'll have babies and the human race will continue. Wow. So the happy story of Lot, we have him offering his daughters to be raped by a mob, then his daughters raping him while he's passed out drunk. Incidentally, these would be the people who become the ancestors of King David, who then supposedly become the ancestors of Jesus. It's like Jesus Christ, literally Jesus Christ. Is This is like some redneck, scary, I don't know, man. It's like few times I've heard something this scary. But couched in the pages of the Holy Book is like, wow, okay, on that note. The whole presentation seems difficult to accept at best. I mean, this must be one they just sort of skip over. Yeah, you, know. you do the warning about not looking back and in the, in the, in the, uh, his wife right. during the salt because she didn't obey. Right. And then it pretty much uh, moves on to the next chapter. I don't right. remember the second part being covered Drunk in and Bible raped. school. Yeah, right. raping daddy. Yeah, Lothar. Which I think is a porn option. Yeah, of course. 
of course. So, yuck. It's mind-blowing what's in there. Now Between golden hemorrhoids and the, the rest of the list. Now, now that you're... Um, so, here's a good story for putting the kids to bed with. Wow. I read one time, and I don't have the exact numbers, but somebody went through and calculated how many people God killed versus how many people the devil killed. Oh, yeah. It's like, and it's like 58 million to 12. Yeah. And the 12 were actually kind of coerced by God and tricked the devil into doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's... Didn't anybody have a math book or an abacus somewhere? To... I don't know. I did enjoy the story, though. Yeah, no, it's some scary stuff. Wow. Well, there you go, folks. Another story time awaiting for an animation near you. This one may have to have little black bars over it, though. Censored. <laughs> um... Thank you, Jesus. Well, it's time to dig into the awesome digital mailbag. Now, we have not received anything, like, actually handwritten. I guess we haven't put an address out. No, because we don't have an address. We're homeless, so... (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. So, yeah. No, email works the best, always. Um, There are a few that are more complex I can't really address now, because some of them I have to research a little bit. Like, somebody wrote me this... really cool one about um, wanting more info about Vikings because they constantly ask him to play Vikings as an actor and so on and that was pretty cool and got me I saw the picture, the dude looks Curtis Nelson, he really looks like a Viking straight out of Lord of the Rings or something. He should change his name to Sven or something. Yeah, I'm sure it does on the screen but uh, (laughs) um, you know, that's, I want to play with it a little more than expand my knowledge base to make sure I don't bullshit you so I'll play with that another time is he talking about him being here uh, before anybody yeah. else? Yeah. Well, that's pretty much accepted. Yeah. And um, but so let's go into the other ones that I can actually answer today. One is about Taoism and sex. Specifically, there are some Taoist sects who argue that um, addressing men, they say that each time a man has an orgasm, he loses vital force. So there's these all complicated techniques about having sex. But right when you're about to have an orgasm, sublimating it so that rather than ejaculating, the energy get recycled back up, up your spine, creating enlightenment. It works for you. Good for you. You know, it sounds weird as hell in a lot of ways. It sounds medically unsound in quite a few ways. So, yeah, I'm not a big fan. Despite being a fan of Taoism, I'm not... Keep in mind, in Taoism, there are a lot of different people arguing different things. There's no single orthodox Taoist position. That's the best part, right? Yeah. About about sex, you have a celibate Taoist, a Taoist who enjoys sex naturally as much as he can, Taoist who have this weird kind of sexual alchemy approach to it. There's, And the same about just about everything else. And this cat who's trying to induce some sort of aneurysm. Yeah, these old stuff. I mean, some people vow by it, which good for them, but that's entirely out of my area of expertise. So it sounds... Not particularly appealing, but then again, what do I know? You know. So, but yeah, if you want my impression, my feel of it, I'm very distrustful of this whole thing. Uh, it's a by the way, a common thought that exists not just in Taoism. In a lot of things around the world, a loss of semen is a loss of blood, or is a loss of vital energy, or is a loss of like seeing it as a bad thing. Well, I've definitely so, heard like professional football players, you know, before the big game. Right, right, right. Say, they have you know. this, which to me seems weird because it only makes you tense and pissed off and 
stiff in weird no i don't mean stiff in literally sexual <laughs> way but i mean stiff as in even mentally you know it makes you all but then again you know people are different so maybe it works for somebody you know that's to, to each their own as long as they're not bugging anybody anybody absolutely Last but not least in the questions we got, one asking me about my MMA experience, what the hell possessed me to ever do MMA and all of that. Largely, it's because it scared the hell out of me. Largely because I am a wimp and uh, I don't like conflict. I don't like verbal conflict. I don't like physical conflict. So obviously the logical thing to do is to jump into the most extreme physical intense sport you can think of where it's about conflict, right? In a way, yes, because it's about rounding out my personality. You know, otherwise there would be this constant fear of conflict that would affect other parts of my life. And I don't dig that. I don't dig this notion of fear ruling over me because I haven't dealt with it. And um, I like martial arts. I always dug martial arts. And so to me it was, you know, any other sport, there's always fear of stepping up. Hell, there's fear of public speaking. There's fear of a million things. You know, anytime you're on the stage, there's an element of nervousness and fear. Public speaking terrorizes a lot of people. Doesn't really bother me. You know, after a few times I've done it, no big deal anymore. So that was that. Whereas the idea that somebody is coming to knock my head off scared me a lot some people manage is you know they are a little scared but it's no big deal they get over it quick or they are excited about it or they are made different from me for me precisely because it was so scary it was appealing every single time i've ever done that i always thought this is the last time ever i would promise myself that i never get into this again because i feel awful that's when you literally find out that uh, scaring the shit out of you is not a metaphor because you spend the morning on the toilet terrorized and all of that. But precisely that is what's interesting to me, you know, is going experiencing this level of fear that's borderline paralyzing and yet having to act through it. But you had sparred a thousand times. It first, yes, but it's different. It is different. So it's like, you know, it's here, is, it's going to be faster. Yeah. This guy really is coming in to kill you this time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember the first time I did the MMA smoker with headgear too, so it wasn't even as scary as the the way they do amateur today. But I remember nothing of the stuff I thought would work work because all the techniques, everything that I've ever done was based on some guy who doesn't have adrenaline pumping through his body and was not... I remember beginning of the second round, I nailed him with like the best combination. He said span like the exorcist. Normally, according to everything I was told, there should be the end of it. And the dude didn't even slow down and he came forward. And that's when I knew, okay, I'm in the wrong game. I lost this fight. I, this, I'm totally unprepared for this. And so dealing with that intensity, dealing with learning how to deal with it and eventually understanding what you can and cannot do and not be overwhelmed by it was appealing to me, was interesting. And I mean, it's hard to train for it because if you train too hard, you get injured all the time and you can't fight. Like if you look at the Thai boxers, for example, the Thai guys, they make a living the way. They can't afford to get injured because otherwise their family doesn't eat. So they train intense, but li very light contact because otherwise you don't get to get paid the next week when you have the fight and you have to fight a lot, multiple times a month sometimes. So it's a very delicate balance between training hard enough and realistically enough that you are getting the tools you need for when the game is on 
and at the same time not go so hard that you get banged up and by the time you end up fighting you're at 50% of your potential because you're always injured. So it's a very, very delicate game to play. I personally find out that not so much for the fear aspect, but for the um, for the preparation aspect, I found out that the easiest thing to do was to work on wrestling and jujitsu and things that are about control and in a way slowing down the tempo. You know, the striking game is faster. You can think that much when it's going on. And sometimes it's reassuring to be able to control the tempo of the whole thing. And by taking somebody down, being on top, you can do that. You can catch your breath. You can think things through a little bit more. So that's a big plus. But then, the, um, and as far as the actual fear, the fighting experience itself, one thing that I found extremely useful to lower the level of pure terror racing through my body is... Um, I remember my wife told me, uh, that was the first time I did a pro match, which by the way, my two professional fights are so-called professional, because I mean, yeah, they were under pro rules. Yes, they were, we were seeing three and a half dollars each for a fight. You know, it's like, there was very little of any of the stuff that makes it a pro event, small audience, small everything, but you know, it's a fight with full rules and everything. So I guess it's the lowest possible level of professionalism, but still count for sanctioned something sanctioned right and uh and back then actually they weren't even sanctioned because it was in italy i don't think think they are sanctioned now let alone five years ago or four years ago when i did that and but um you know most of like all of the early stuff nothing was sanctioned right and um but yeah it was pro rules and you know tiny bit of money tiny bit of audience that kind of thing and I remember when going through my usual panic terror the week before and everything, I remember my wife, I was in Italy and my wife was in the US and we talked on the phone the night before. And I remember saying, when you go there, imagine that that guy is trying to hurt me. And I was like, <laughs> that switches the perspective a lot, real damn fast. Because it's amazing how things that scare the hell out of us, if we are doing them for ourselves, they still scare the hell out of us. If we're doing them for somebody else we love, suddenly you forget about everything you're afraid of. Yep. And it's amazing how that works. So, I mean, it doesn't mean it shuts down fear completely, because it doesn't, but it certainly reduces it dramatically, where it's at least somewhat manageable, you know. Oh yeah, I need to, I guess it takes it out of the balance almost. This is protection yep. mode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's and like you don't care anymore about yourself. No. You, there's something more than that. Well, that's generally, I think the moment you become a parent, right? If it kicks in correctly, right? And there are plenty of examples where it doesn't, but right. um, you suddenly become number two on the list. Yeah, or more likely number three. No, totally, because I mean, I think there are things that I remember seeing once during the course of the Sundance ceremony that um, Plains Tribe engage on, which I'm going to talk about probably another time in more details, but it's a pretty hardcore thing, physically punishing, very tough. And I remember seeing these guys who are beat, who are, you know, on their third day, goes on for four days, and they have nothing left. And during the breaks, I see sometimes I've seen people bringing them their kids, you know, infants to hold during the break and it's amazing how much more energy they have after that because they connect with you know you have this little tiny creature that fully depends on you 
you forget how tired you are, you forget your feet hurt, you forget all the other stuff, you you gain this sense of responsibility and you know all the other shit doesn't matter. And um, and you step up and it's amazing how that works sometimes. So so that did the trick for me. That was um, that was definitely a cool thing. It helped me a bunch. Let's get you some chicken soup. Seriously. Put you back in the bed. Yep. Everybody, send your positive vibes this way. Thank you. The man is down but not out. Yep. And, uh, I think just talking on the podcast has spruced him up a little bit. So yeah, I woke up a little. Nice. Well, get better, my friend. Cool, man. Thank you so much. You guys have a good one. We'll see everybody soon. And so ends another awesome episode of the Drunken Taoist Podcast. Be sure to keep your ears peeled for another mind-expanding episode coming soon. We'll be tweeting you as soon as they come out. You can keep track of Daniel at dbolelli. That's D-B-O-L-E-L-L-I. And you can find me on Twitter at richimon1. That's R-I-C-H-I-M-O-N, the numeral one. See y'all soon.